Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. Hello everybody, we're here at the uh, Graduate Research Forum today. Uh, my name is Andrew and I am co-hosting with... Sabrina. Hello everyone. Uh, so today we have uh, Brandon Bear on, uh, he's our first guest for the day uh, here at the beautiful old Ivy building if you've been here for long enough for the International uh, Graduate uh, Affairs building um, if you are a recent uh, graduate uh, member. So uh, today we have Brandon. Brandon, why don't you give us a little bit about uh, your research, a little bit of the background and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, sure. Uh, I work with a group of peptides known as catholistins. They are what we call host defense peptides, meaning that they help the body regulate its immune response. They're found in a wide spectrum of different species of plants and animals, including humans. And one of the peptides that I focus on is actually found in chickens. Okay, okay. So um, how do they kill the bacteria? So one of their functions is antimicrobial. And there's a number of different uh, mechanisms they can work through. It's one of the reasons we would like to push them over antibiotics because they can work through multiple mechanisms. Uh, one of the easiest to explain is through pore formation. So they actually uh, barrel into the bacteria. They're very positively charged and the membranes of these bacteria are filled with phospholipids that are negatively charged. And so that electrostatic binding allows them to almost go in like a corkscrew and puncture holes so that fluid and other things can flood into the animal or into the bacteria causing it to burst or have a more controlled cell death okay okay and what are the like what are the benefits for uh the animal um that you're like uh looking after or does that have benefits for humans can we apply that to humans so um they also have uh what's called immunomodulatory properties meaning they can regulate the immune response so a benefit over the antibiotics themselves is they can actually control that inflammatory response that happens after. So when you kill bacteria with antibiotics, they may cause the you know pro-inflammatory guts of that antibiotic to spill over the lungs. And these catholistins not only kill the bacteria, but then they can bind to those pro-inflammatory bacterial byproducts, which are also negatively charged, like lipopolysaccharides or DNA, and prevent them from causing an inflammatory response. It's going to make that problem even worse inside the lung. Okay, so um, am I understanding this right? This is like an alternative to antibiotics? So I would like to supplement antibiotics with it, but there is a lot of research um, to replace them. But I think working in conjunction is, is the best route because a lot of antibiotics are extremely effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and these antibiotics show benefits for supplementing them. But uh, if we could replace them for wide spectrum, uh, because they don't have a lot of resistance, even though they're very, very old ecologically, um, there's benefits in both those routes. Okay, so in situations where someone is resistant to using antibiotics, then mm-hmm. this would be an alternative that. Uh, Very much so. So a lot of antibiotics work off one mechanism, perhaps pore formation or inhibiting DNA production or protein synthesis. And so bacteria will adapt over time. Uh, Penicillin came out in the 50s, but, you know, or sorry, much earlier than the 50s around the world wars. Mm -hmm. But now it's almost useless because so many bacteria are resistant to it. These peptides have been around for millions of years. We we find them in... uh, really, really old animals, evolutionary, and yet they still show almost no resistance in the bacteria. So 
uh, they're still able to kill bacteria even though they're ancient. So it's because of these multiple mechanisms that you get a lot of benefit there. That's incredible, mm-hmm. yeah. to be honest. Um, so what animals do you work with? Uh, so I work mostly with rat and mice models. Okay. Um, they're not the best for conditions like cystic fibrosis, which okay. uh, is a majority of pneumonia patients. Um, but they are great for their immune response so the cells they recruit to the lungs the messengers they use are all very similar to what we see in humans although they might be named differently or slightly different that process um, and the damage that we see from inflammation after antibiotic treatment is still the same as well as their lung structure is very similar so getting the treatments to those sites is is still viable i think for this model so it can be used almost like as like a a multiple intervention for various uh lung related disorders yes that's that's the idea if it's a uh, bacterial infection related uh, we think there's benefits there for killing the infection as an anti-inflammatory it has benefits it also has been shown to not only downregulate the immune system uh when you know upregulation from these bacterial byproducts but it's also been able to upregulate or downregulate whenever the scenario is it kind of brings it back to that nice normal um, because it can increase uh, macrophages which are kind of like the mall cops of the immune system so if they can deal with the problem rather than neutrophils which are like that SWAT team they're going to come in and break stuff then you know the problem can be resolved without damage to the lung tissue we know it's a very fragile organ mm-hmm. okay okay so how did you get into this research? So um, I have uh, grandparents who have passed away because of lung-related conditions, COPD, um, you know, pneumonia, things like that. Pneumonia is actually a very big problem in my family, uh, large part because there's a number of smokers in my family, and pneumonia is more common in that group. Um, but when I was young, uh, there was people who had never smoked, but they would develop uh, COPD from being around the other smokers. and what ended up killing them is bacterial infections. Mm -hmm. And it was these bacterial infections because, you know, they're elderly, they're the immunocompromised, or they're the most sensitive uh, populations. And it really sparked my interest that, you know, this problem, uh, bacteria shouldn't be killing people. You know, Mm -hmm. bacteria have been around for so long. I thought, you know, if I got sick from bacteria, I just go to the doctor, they give me an antibiotic and I get better. But what I learned uh, from very early on is this isn't always the progression of disease and in these very vulnerable populations it's actually uh, the immune response after the antibiotics that is is hurting these people and, and causing them to uh, to die so I really just wanted to veer my life path towards that one particular problem if we ever solve it maybe I'll go be a garbage man or something but <laughs> until then are there any barriers that you have encountered uh, from your trials uh, maybe like resistance from so so yes yeah, so um, a big problem with most uh, catholicins is they're naturally occurring and you think that'd be a good thing right you know they're not going to be toxic things like that but because um, there's a human catholicin l37 your body has a natural way of breaking it down uh, by different enzymes to kind of break it apart. And so a big problem early on with systemic, you know, dosage or giving oral is that your body will break it down before it ever gets to that site of inflammation. That's why, for the most part, these have only been used topically okay. uh, on your skin and things like that or for catheters to, to deal with bacteria. So that's why it's so important to have some mechanism for getting to the site of uh, the infection or inflammation. 
And wh- um, what is that method of getting so, it in then? Sorry. So in your uh, lungs, there's yeah. a lipoprotein complex that you produce naturally called pulmonary surfactant. It's, it's what coats your lung. Mm-hmm. It spreads across all the airways and reduces surface tension to make it easier for you to breathe. Mm-hmm. There's also an exogenous version called BLESS or bovine lipid extract surfactant that we get from uh, cattle. Mm-hmm. And it's used in clinic for premature babies to mm-hmm. coat their lungs and make it easier to breathe. So our idea is to bind our cathelicin with um, this bless compound so that it can spread through the airways. And we've actually done studies that not only does it spread properly, but the interaction of the cath two and this bless actually increases spreading. It, it seems to do better at spreading than just the bless alone, which is just an interesting uh, aside. Yeah. When would you expect these, uh, like this research to make it to human uh, trials? So that's, that's a tough uh, thing to put a number on. Any yeah. research for new pharmaceuticals takes, you know, almost decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get to clinical trials. You have to go through the process. You have to do safety and things like that. So we've done a lot of tolerance tests in animals. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done multiple animals. I'd like to progress into other animal models that are better representative of, let's say, cystic fibrosis, uh, like pigs or ferrets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just don't know how long it would take to go from where we are currently to a clinical uh, application. But I would assume still still a decade at the minimum. All right. So you're the pioneer in the. Uh, in so the I um, I'm actually building on the work of many other researchers okay. uh, for Bless. Uh, there was a biochemist, Fred Posmeyer, and he's the guy that isolated um, Bless from cattle. Um, there's also been a number of studies done in the Netherlands and their research of isolating these actual peptides and creating their structures. So they've been kind enough to send me those peptides to to work with. And, uh, you know, without their foundation, there's no way I could ever do this. I'm not a biochemist. Um, I, I couldn't isolate uh, these peptides or get their structures, let alone test a wide spectrum. And we have a PhD candidate in our lab who has actually worked with a number of different peptides and kind of narrowed the field for me, finding this one cat 2 that's able to, you know, be mixed with BLESS and not lose its properties. That's a problem with the human version L37, is it loses its properties when mixed with BLESS. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brandon, this is quite, this is incredible, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah, to hear about this. The, especially treatments that, like, can target more than one thing. Um, or be used as like a multiple treatment intervention. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So um, we're just going to wrap up our time, but sure. is there any, um, do you have a website or is there a place people can contact you or do you share your uh, research online or um, is it all I mean, like I'm, I'm right just now? a master's student, right? So it's not like I have uh, something hey, not that just I can't. A <laughs> well, <laughs> well, she makes it sound like, <laughs> I, like I have a whole team or something that's working on a website. I do not. Um, I don't. I don't even have Twitter <laughs> or uh, Instagram. Do you uh, have an email address? People I can do. Email I you? do have okay. an email address. Uh, it's b b a e r at okay. uwo.ca. Okay. Um, I, I work out of uh, the Lawson's Clinic off of St. Joe's Hospital. Okay. Um, if you look up. Uh, really, any of the work done by Rude Veldhusen, who's my supervisor, uh, that'd be a great way to place to start. Uh, and if anyone wants guidance going to the field, I'm more than happy to answer their questions. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Okay. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to GradCast live. No, not really live, I guess. Um, <laughs> live in microphone at the Western Research Forum 2017. We're so excited to be back here for another year. And today we are here with Reza Kazai. Yeah, yes. Reza Kazai. 
And you just came out of a panel talking about a uh, paper you did? Yeah, just 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So you're nice and warmed up. Yeah. How did that go? Oh, excellent. I received uh, actually good feedbacks and uh, I received good, actually good questions from other fields, even from people in social science or art. I received questions, so I assumed that they understand what I was talking about. Is this one so, of your yeah. first uh, conferences? Oh, no, it was not my, maybe it was third or fourth conference okay. I'm attending, but there wasn't, a, in previous conferences, all the audience were at least uh, from the field that were close to my fields. However, this time, people were from all departments so it was kind of challenging to make the talk in the way that everybody can understand it and also ask questions awesome so, yeah so reza uh what uh, department do you hail from actually i'm coming from the uh, department of physiology and pharmacology at western university and our lab located in st joseph hospital and if i want to talk very exactly it's located in lawson research center and it's a lab that works on some specific diseases of lung and respira respiratory system. All right, so we've got a, a pair of lungs today. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> what kind of work are you doing when studying um, the breathing apparatus, if you will? Uh, we're actually working mostly with animal models. So in my project, I only work with rats. So the, kind, the typical kind of work I do is... Uh, Surgery, opening up the chest and exposing the lungs to the uh, apparatus, for example, the ventilators or other apparatus that can measure some specific functions of the lung. So mostly I could say uh, surgeries of the lung and uh, measuring, for example, volume of the lungs and yeah, different aspects related to physiology of the lung. All right, there's a lot to dig in on that. But yeah. uh, the first thing I need to know as the non-scientist is... Yeah. How terrifying was it the first time you had to do that? <laughs> the first time I did that, it was not really terrifying, but I just had a bad feeling about killing the animals. <laughs> yeah, so oh. because we have to euthanize the, uh, the animals mm -hmm. to do the experiment. So it's very depressing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially rats. Scary. Rats are yeah. cute. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So how do you do a lot of these? Like you were talking about measuring the volume of the lungs and how well they're performing? Yes, exactly. Uh, in the field I'm working, uh, in, in the specific research I'm working, we are interested to measure some biophysical aspects of lung. For example, how easy lungs expand. It's very important. If you cannot expand your lung easily, so you cannot get enough oxygen, so, and you will face some um, physiological problems. So we are interested to see uh, for example, how easy lungs, uh, the lungs expand. Also, we are interested to see some uh, pathophysiological changes in lung. For example, there are some specific materials in lung called surfactant, which helps us to expand our lungs. I take them out and I study their biophysical properties, biochemical properties, and also I measure them to see uh, how efficient lung produce them. Yeah. Sweet. So acute respiratory distress syndrome. Yeah. Big, big, uh, big, issue. big, big issue. And what's the burden that we're seeing on the Canadian healthcare system since it doesn't have a treatment? Yeah, there, there doesn't. There, we have the the health system has been really unsuccessful to develop a therapeutic approach. Mm -hmm. It has been a big improvement on overall health, overall patient care, uh, and. That actually reduced the mortality from 80% in 1980s to 40% in 
in 2000 and I think 15 or 14. However, 40% mortality is still a big number. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the, it means the, a lot of the patients who go to ICU due to ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome, they die due to lung failure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they die after receiving a lot of treatments, which actually doesn't work most of the time. So it's a big burden on families and also on healthcare system. Yeah, this is actually what killed my grandmother. Um, oh, sorry to hear that. It was about, it was about 10 years ago now. So. Uh, but... Uh, well, I remember the disease because it does involve, even if you do survive, you end up having to spend long periods of time, usually on a ventilator or yeah, with exactly. a tracheotomy, which is a very, you know, traumatic type of uh, thing to have. So what exactly is going on when someone's lungs are going through ARDS? Because uh, in the case of my grandmother a long time ago, uh, it was, it happened shortly after having surgery. And is, is there something sort of linked to that? It's an, it's an excellent question, actually. Uh, acute respiratory dis distress syndrome has uh, several, or, uh, several reasons. And one of the reasons is actually, as you mentioned, it happens actually after some surgeries. After some surgeries, we have, for example, acid aspiration. What it means, it means the patient actually swallows or inhale, I should say better, inhale uh, his, own, uh, uh, his own stomach content, which, have, which is very acidic. It could impair the surfactant system that helps us to expand our lungs. When it impairs the surfactant system, shortly after, it develops, it develops acute kind of injuries, which finally could and into severe inflammation, severe infections, and finally fails the lung. And yeah, death. Oh my. So when, when we're looking at a condition um, that affects something like the lung, especially being such a delicate tissue and such a, a closed system, um, what are we looking for, uh, like the patient progression f throughout the disease, especially because like you said, there is no, um, the treatment of it. So what if, you know, once the onset occurs, what are we looking for in terms of like symptomatic uh, um, the, uh, symptoms that are going to start being presented? Oh, the, the most important thing is that a patient experienced a huge reduction in blood oxygenation. Okay. It's the first symptom. And the other thing is that patient cannot breathe properly. They cannot, they cannot open up their lungs. And what we do in this, uh, what, what, what is available to deal with this situation, it's very limited. One of the things in me it's mechanical ventilation, as you mentioned about your grandmother. Mm -hmm. However, me mechanical ventilation really helps. It reduces the mortality. However, it has some side effects. Sometimes because we don't know how much injury we have, we apply, we, we, we give the patients uh, high pressure during the mechanical ventilation and actually it can exacerbate the injuries. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, we give the patients, for example, antibodies, high doses of antibiotics to stop the infections. But in shortly after that, most of the patients develop resistance after, against these antibiotics. So 
We are very limited to deal with this situation, actually. And I imagine it's much more complex in situations where uh, the patient is uh, vulnerable in some way, like very young or very old or very sick with other things. Yeah, you mentioned actually an excellent point. For even the, in, the, in, the, in, high, in, in, in old uh, people, for example, over 60s, the mortality rate is much higher mm. because their immunodeficiency is usually impaired. They have developed uh, resistance against many antibiotics during a few decades. So, and sometimes they cannot tolerate mechanical ventilation. And if they're in a hospital, the chance of them getting like one of the hospital infections, like staph or something like that, could be higher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, they need they need more they need more uh, overall uh, uh, healthcare. So it means that. It's more expensive to take care of people who are at higher ages and uh, have developed ARDS. Do you, do you feel like that this, this condition would require multiple interventions to, to treat? Like, will there ever be just a one treatment solution for this? Actually, we think that the only approach is intervention. Okay. Because of that, and because of that, in my project, we are focusing on identifying the risk factors. What makes these patients develop ARDS? We want to identify those risk factors, and one of them, for example, is age, that we know already. The other, the other things, for example, we know is that the, the people who had, feed, who had developmental impairments during the pregnancy, when they were fetus, and they experience developmental impairments during the pregnancy, they are more susceptible to develop some diseases later in life during adulthood to develop ARDS. So by understanding the mechanism how these people develop uh, those diseases and finally ARDS, we could, we couldn't, we could have a good uh, understanding of when and how we should interfere and start, start medication and prevent the disease progression. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this because yeah. I probably am, but like that part of the lung development is very, very late in gestation, like almost at the end. And yeah. so if you're even a few weeks premature, you could be susceptible to these problems, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why we are conducting a research. We have, we have used animal models. We use rats. And we, are the, we, are conduct, we conduct the research from the very first day of birth. We do the research on day one. We do the research when they are at, for example, day 21. And also we, are, we do the research on rat on when they are at four months old, which means they are, in, they are experiencing their, their, the adulthood period. So we start the research from the very beginning because the lung is still developing. And there is still the chance that, for example, uh, the surfactant, for, for any reason, the surfactant system and lung function still... Uh, experience uh, impairments. So, yeah, you're right. All right. So just in the last uh, few minutes that we have here, uh, just tell us briefly, why did you get into this research? And if people are interested in contacting you, is there? please let us uh, share your contact information. Uh, actually, there were, there, were, there were a few topics. Where there were a few topics available to, to, uh, to do the research on, and it was not really my choice to work in this field specifically. However, among these few topics, I got, I, it's actually, I was, I was become, I become really interested in identifying the risk factors and prevent the diseases. In most of the diseases and situation, we like to find, okay, what is the drug to cure this, to cure this disease and reverse the situation? And we usually, we don't 
like to prevent the disease before it happens. So that's why I actually chose to work on this project because it could actually prevent the occurrence of the disease. So, yeah, and if the people, and people like to contact me, I don't have any website because I'm... You don't have to share your email yeah, if you don't I'm want a, to, yeah. so it's all right. And we respect your privacy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have any, any website, but if they search for uh, Long Lab uh, at uh, St. Joseph Hospital or my supervisor, Dr. Feldheisen, they can find some works that we are doing in our lab, or they can search my name on LinkedIn. I have a brief description of, about my research on my LinkedIn, and they can just search my name. Uh, my name is uh, Reza, R-E-Z-A, and my family name, K-H-A-Z-A-E-E. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Thank and have you. a great uh, rest of the day at the Western Research Forum. Thank you. Take care. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.